Chapter 11 of Dope. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Mark Friend. Dope by Sax Romer. Chapter 11. The Drug Syndicate. At 6.30 that morning, Margaret Haley was aroused by her maid, the latter but half-awake, and sitting up in bed and switching on the lamp, she looked at the card which the servant had brought to her, and read the following. Chief Inspector Carey, CID, New Scotland Yard, SWI. Oh, dear, she said sleepily. What an appallingly early visitor. Is the bath ready yet, Janet? I'm afraid not, replied the maid, a plain elderly woman of the old-fashioned useful servant type. Shall I take a kettle into the bathroom? Yes, that will have to do. Tell Inspector Carey that I shall not be long. Five minutes later, Margaret entered her little consulting room, where Carey, having adjusted his tie, was standing before the mirror in the overmantel, staring at a large photograph of the charming lady doctor in military uniform. Carey's fierce eyes sparkled appreciatively as his glance rested on the tall figure arrayed in a woolen dressing gown, the masculine style of which by no means disguised the beauty of Margaret's athletic figure. She had hastily arranged her bright hair with deliberate neglect of all affectation. She belonged to that ultra-modern school which scorns to sue masculine admiration, but which cannot dispense with it nevertheless. She aspired to be assessed upon an intellectual basis, an ambition which her unfortunate good looks rendered difficult of achievement. "'Good morning, Inspector,' she said composedly. "'I was expecting you.' "'Really, Miss,' Carrie stated curiously. "'Then you know what I've come about.' "'I think so. Won't you sit down? I'm afraid the room is rather cold. Is it about Sir Lucian Pine?' "'Well,' replied Carrie, "'it concerns him, certainly.' I've been in communication by telephone with Hinks, Mr. Monte Irvin's butler, and from him I learned that you were professionally attending Mrs. Irvin. I was not her regular medical adviser, but Margaret hesitated, glancing rapidly at the inspector and then down at the writing table before which she was seated. She began to tap the blotting pad with an ivory paper knife, Carrie watching her intently. Upon your evidence, Miss Haley, he said rapidly, may depend the life of the missing woman. Oh, cried Margaret. Whatever can have happened to her? I rang up as late as two o'clock this morning. After that, I abandoned hope. There's something underlying the case that I don't understand, miss. I look to you to put me wise. She turned to him impulsively. I will tell you all I know, Inspector, she said. I will be perfectly frank with you. Good, rapped Carrie. Now, you have known Mrs. Monte Irvin for some time. For about two years. You didn't know her when she was on the stage? No, I met her at a Red Cross concert at which she sang. Do you think she loved her husband? I know she did. Was there any prior attachment? Not that I know of. Mr. Quinton Gray? Margaret smiled, rather mirthlessly. He is my cousin, Inspector, and it was I who introduced him to Rita Irvin. I sincerely wish I had never done so. He lost his head completely. There was nothing in Mrs. Irvin's attitude towards him to justify her husband's jealousy? She was always frightfully indiscreet, Inspector, but nothing more. You see, she is greatly admired and is used to the company of silly, adoring men. Her husband doesn't really understand the ways of these bohemian folks. I knew it would lead to trouble sooner or later. Ah! Chief Inspector Carey thrust his hands into the pockets of his jacket. Now, Sir Lucian. Margaret tapped more rapidly with the paper knife. Sir Lucine belonged to a set of which Rita had been a member during her stage career. I think he admired her. In fact, I believe he had offered her marriage, but she did not care for him in the least, in that way. 
Then in what way did she care for him, rapped Carrie. Well, now we are coming to the point. Momentarily she hesitated. Then, they were both addicted. Yes, to drugs. Eh? Carrie's eyes grew hard and fierce in a moment. What drugs? All sorts of drugs. Shortly after I became acquainted with Rita Irvin, I learned that she was a victim of the drug habit, and I tried to cure her. I regret to say that I failed. At that time, she had acquired a taste for opium. Carrie said not a word, and Margaret raised her head and looked at him pathetically. I can see that you have no pity for the victims of this ghastly vice, Inspector Carey, she said. I haven't, he snapped fiercely. I admit I haven't, miss. It's bad enough in the heathens, but for an Englishwoman to dope herself is downright unchristian and beastly. Yet I have come across so many of these cases during the war and since that I have begun to understand how easy, how dreadfully easy it is for a woman especially to fall into the fatal habit. Bereavement, or that most frightful of all mental agonies, suspense, will too often lead the poor victim into the path that promises forgetfulness. Rita Irvin's case is less excusable. I think she must have begun drug-taking because of the mental and nervous exhaustion resulting from late hours and overmuch gaiety. The demands of her profession proved too great for her impaired nervous energy, and she sought some stimulant which would enable her to appear bright on the stage when actually she should have been recuperating, in sleep, that loss of vital force which can be recuperated in no other way. But opium! snapped Carrie. I am afraid her other drug habits had impaired her will and shaken her self-control. She was tempted to try opium by its promise of a new and novel excitement. Her husband, I take it, was ignorant of this? I believe he was. Quinton, Mr. Gray, had no idea of it either. Then it was Sir Lucian Pine who was in her confidence in this matter. Margaret nodded slowly, still tapping the blotting pad. He used to accompany her to places where drugs could be obtained, and on several occasions, I cannot say how many, I believe he went with her to some den in Chinatown. It may have been due to Mr. Irvin's discovery that his wife could not satisfactorily account for some of these absences from home, which led him to suspect her fidelity. Ah! shouted Carrie hardly. I shouldn't wonder. And now, he thrust out a pointing finger, where did she get these drugs? Margaret met the fierce stare composedly. I have said that I shall be quite frank, she replied. In my opinion, she obtained them from Cosma. Cosma, shouted Carrie. Excuse me, miss, but I see I've been wearing blinkers without knowing it. Cosma's was a dope shop? That has been my belief for a long time, Inspector. I may add that I have never been able to obtain a shred of evidence to prove it. I am so keenly interested in seeing the people who pander to this horrible vice, unmasked and dealt with as they merit, that I have tried many times to find out if my suspicion was correct. Inspector Carey was wreathing his shoulders excitedly. Did you ever visit Cosma? he asked. Yes, I asked Rita Irvin to take me, but she refused, and I could see that the request embarrassed her, so I went alone. Describe exactly what took place. Margaret Haley stared reflectively at the blotting pad for a moment and then described a typical seance at Cosmas. In conclusion, as I came away, she said, I bought a bottle of every kind of perfume on sale, some of the incense, and also a box of sweetmeat, but they all proved to be perfectly harmless. I analyzed them. Carrie's eyes glistened with admiration. We could do with you at the yard, miss, he said. Excuse me for saying so. Margaret smiled rather wanly. Now, this man Cosma, resumed the chief inspector, did you ever see him again? Never. I have been trying for months and months to find out who he is. Carrie's face became very grim. 
About ten trained men are trying to find that out at the present moment, he rapped. Do you think he wore a makeup? He may have done so, Margaret admitted. But his features were obviously undisguised, and his eyes one would recognize anywhere. They were larger than any human eyes I have ever seen. He couldn't have been the Egyptian who looked after the shop, for instance. Impossible. He did not remotely resemble him. Besides, the man to whom you refer remained outside to receive other visitors. Oh, that's out of the question, Inspector. The light was very dim? Very dim indeed, and Cosma never once raised his head. Indeed, except for a dignified gesture of greeting and one of dismissal, he never moved. His immobility was rather uncanny. Carey began to pace up and down the narrow room, and he bore no resemblance to the late Sir Lucian Pine, for instance, he rapped. Margaret laughed outright, and her laughter was so inoffensive and so musical that the chief inspector laughed also. That's more hopeless than ever, she said. Poor Sir Lucian had strong, harsh features and rather small eyes. He wore a mustache, too. But Sir Lucian, I feel sure, was one of Cosmas' clients. Ah, said Carrie, and what leads you to suppose, Miss Haley, that this Cosma dealt in drugs? Well, you see, Rita Urban was always going there to buy perfumes, and she frequently sent her maid as well. But, Carrie stared, you say that the perfume was harmless. That which was sold to casual visitors was harmless, Inspector. But I strongly suspect that regular clients were supplied with something quite different. You see, I know no fewer than thirty unfortunate women in the West End of London alone who are simply helpless slaves to various drugs, and I think it more than a coincidence that upon their dressing tables I have almost invariably found one or more of Cosmos' peculiar antique flasks. Chief Inspector Carey's jaw muscles protruded conspicuously. You speak of patience, he asked. Margaret nodded her head. When a woman becomes addicted to the drug habit, she explained, she sometimes shuns her regular medical advisor. I have many patients who came to me originally simply because they dared not face their family doctor. In fact, since I gave up army work, my little practice has threatened to develop into that of a drug habit specialist. Have you taxed any of these people with obtaining drugs from Cosma? Not directly. It would have been undiplomatic. But I have tried to surprise them into telling me. Unfortunately, these poor people are as cunning as any other kind of maniac. For, of course, it becomes a form of mania. They recognize that confession might lead to a stoppage of supplies, the eventuality they most dread. Did you examine the contents of any of these flasks found on dressing tables? I rarely had an opportunity. But when I did, they proved to contain perfume when they contained anything. Hmm, mused Carey, and although in deference to Margaret, he had denied himself chewing gum, his jaws worked automatically. I gather that Mrs. Mont-Irvin had expressed a wish to see you last night. Yes, apparently she was threatened with a shortage of cocaine. Cocaine was her drug. One of them. She had tried them all, poor silly girl. You must understand that for a habitual drug taker, suddenly to be deprived of drugs would lead to complete collapse, perhaps death and during the last few days I had noticed a peculiar nervous symptom in Rita Urban which had interested me. Finally, the day before yesterday, she confessed that her usual source of supply had been closed to her. Her words were very vague, but I gathered that some form of coercion was being employed. With what object? I have no idea, but she used the words, They will drive me mad, and seemed to be in a dangerously nervous condition. She said that she was going to make a final attempt to obtain a supply of the poison which had become indispensable to her. I cannot do without it, she said, but if they refuse, will you give me some? What did you say? 
I begged of her, as I had done on many previous occasions, to place herself in my hands, but she evaded a direct answer, as is the way of one addicted to this vice. If I cannot get some by tomorrow, she said, I shall go mad or dead. Can I rely on you? I told her that I would prescribe cocaine for her on the distinct understanding that from the first dose she was to place herself under my care for a cure. She agreed? She agreed. Yesterday afternoon, while I was away at an important case, she came here. Poor Rita! Margaret's soft voice trembled. Look, she left this note. From a letter rack, she took a square sheet of paper and handed it to the chief inspector. He bent his fierce eyes upon the writing, large, irregular, and shaky. Dear Margaret, he read aloud, why aren't you at home? I am wild with pain, and I feel I'm going mad. Come to me directly you return, and bring enough to keep me alive. I... Hello! There is no finish. He glanced up from the page. Margaret Haley's eyes were dim. She despaired of my coming and went to Cosma, she said. Can you doubt that that was what she went for? No, snapped Carrie savagely. I can't. But do you mean to tell me, Miss Haley, that Mrs. Irvin couldn't get cocaine anywhere else? I know for a fact that it's smuggled in regularly, and there's more than one receiver. Margaret looked at him strangely. I know it, too, Inspector, she said quietly. Owing to the lack of enterprise on the part of our British drug houses, even reputable chemists are sometimes dependent upon illicit stock from Japan and America. But do you know that the price of these smuggled drugs has laterly become so high as to be prohibitive in many cases? I don't. What are you driving at, miss? At this. Somebody has made a corner in contraband drugs. The most wicked syndicate that ever was formed has got control of the lives of, it may be, thousands of drug slaves. Carrie's teeth closed with a sharp snap. At last, he said, I see where the smart from the home office comes in. The Secretary of State has appointed a special independent commissioner to inquire into this hellish traffic, replied Margaret quietly. I am glad to say that I have helped in getting this done by the representations which I have made to my uncle, Lord Rexborough. But I give you my word, Inspector Carey, that I have withheld nothing from you any more than from him. Him? snapped Carey, eyes fiercely ablaze. From the Home Office representative, before whom I have already given evidence. Chief Inspector Carey took up his hat, cane, and overall from the chair upon which he had placed them, and, his face a savage red mask, bowed with a fine curtsy. He burned to learn particulars. He disdained to obtain them from a woman. "'Good morning, Miss Haley,' he said. "'I am greatly indebted to you.' He walked stiffly from the room and out of the flat without waiting for a servant to open the door. End of chapter 11